Live from WNUR News, I'm Anusha Kumar. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, February 17th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, unpacking the 34th Ward Aldermanic Elections. Where Have You Been? A look at Rihanna's halftime show and Dream On, Northwestern Men's Basketball and the Road to March Madness. Those stories coming up tonight at WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. I am currently inside of Atropolis Bakery, a cafe in Chicago's Greektown neighborhood in the near west side. I am here to meet with Jim Ascott, one of the two candidates vying to become alderman in the area I am currently in, the 34th Ward which was recently redrawn following the 2021 census. The area, which used to cover the majority black far south side, now encompasses parts of Greektown, The Loop, West Loop, and Fulton River District. From WNUR News, you're listening to News at 6. This episode, the Chicago Aldermanic Elections in the 34th Ward. First, it's important to go back to 1994, When Carrie Austin, the previous alderman of what used to be the 34th Ward, was first elected, a role she's held ever since. Austin, who's now 73, announced her retirement last year following federal bribery indictments in 2021. It was uncovered that throughout the 2010s, Austin accepted gifts from developers in exchange for allowing them to build multi-million dollar projects in her ward. She follows one of many other politicians, such as Ed Burke in Chicago, who have been accused of corruption. Austin has pleaded not guilty to all corruption charges that are currently against her and refused to stand trial, claiming that she is, quote, too ill. However, surveillance by FBI agents outside Austin's house noted that she seemed, quote, alert, lucid, and responsive. Flash forward to today and two contenders, Jim Ascott, 73, a commercial real estate broker, and Bill Conaway, 44, a former prosecutor, are fighting to replace Austin's seat. Here's Ascott. Can't be, you know, kind of a have this attitude, oh, nothing's going to happen, my vote doesn't count. That, that's, that's not right. We need to step up, and I think that that's the most important thing. And if I can exemplify that, I think that, that, would, that would be the most helpful for me. Ascot said some of his top priorities for the ward include implementing community foot policing initiatives, reopening the mental health facilities closed by Mayor Ron Emanuel, adding streetlights, and building a coalition of nonprofits to deal with homelessness. But most important of all to Ascot, crime the unquestionable dominating issue of the 2023 Chicago elections. The most important of all is the safety and crime issue. Uh, that's number one of everybody I talk to. And, and I think that uh, for me, as a former psychologist and crisis intervention person, the first thing we need to do is look at this as a crisis and intervene by having foot patrols in the major arteries in, in our world. According to Ascot's LinkedIn and campaign flyers, he received a PhD in crisis intervention. This degree, I later discovered, was from Columbia Pacific University, which was closed down by a California court order in 2000 due to awarding students excessive credits, failing to employ qualified faculty, and an inability to meet various requirements for issuing PhD degrees. Ascot has continued to say throughout his campaign that he's a PhD doctor. Another key part of this campaign has been the financing and support. Conway has received an endorsement from Governor J.B. Pritzker and ranked in over $400,000 in campaign donations, supported by top executives at Citadel, Madison Dearborn Partners, and DoorDash. Meanwhile, Ascot has raised nearly $60,000 for his campaign. 
course, uh, having uh, my opponent who sends out a flyer a week, uh, obviously name recognition is important. So, but uh, you know, sometimes if you can't buy your votes, you, know, you have to you know, appeal to the people. But if you're looking for a debate between the two candidates, you probably won't find one. Conway, Ascot's opponent, has repeatedly denied attempts for a debate, saying he was, quote, too busy. Earlier this month, the two candidates were supposed to debate at a University of Illinois Chicago forum, but Conway once again dropped out. The Ascot slate responded by offering 24 alternative dates to debate, but Conway once again said he did not have the availability. I was also curious how Ascot has been reflecting on his prior attempts to enter politics. In 2006 and 2010, he ran unsuccessfully to represent Illinois' 7th Congressional District. It was definitely a step into to a bigger arena for Congress. I, I sincerely believe that uh, you know, I should represent the, the district well in Congress. I'm an immigrant, and so this was my way of, of giving back. Conway also has a history of trying to enter politics unsuccessfully. In 2020, Conway tried to unseat current Attorney General Kim Fox, Conway's father, William Conway, the billionaire co-founder of the private equity firm, the Carlyle Group, donated $10.5 million to his son's campaign. Conway ended up losing by just under 50%, but made history by inspiring one of the most expensive attorney general elections in Chicago's history. Moving forward, Ascot hopes to use his active listening skills, psychological background, and experience in real estate to lead the 34th Ward. Chicago's mayoral and aldermanic elections are now open for early voting, and voting closes on February 28th. The 34th Ward polling place is on the sixth floor of the UIC Student Center. Reporting for WNUR News, I'm Margot Muall. This Sunday, February 12th, the 57th Super Bowl took place in Glendale, Arizona, with a special halftime show by singer Rihanna. Reporter Maria Camaño delves into the performance. This Sunday, February 12th, the 57th Super Bowl took place in Glendale, Arizona, with a special halftime performance by singer Rihanna. Announced back in September of 2022 by the NFL, this would be Rihanna's first performance since singing at the Grammys back in 2018. The performance included 80 amazing dancers, a floating stage, and even shoutouts to Rihanna's cosmetic line Fenty Beauty. The biggest surprise, however, was her reveal of her pregnant belly, announcing that she was pregnant with her second child. I sat down with Weinberg senior Natalia Camino to discuss our thoughts on the Super Bowl halftime show. What were your expectations on like Rihanna and like like when it got dropped and when it got like was announced? I mean, I was excited. I like. I wasn't expecting Rihanna just because, like, she hasn't performed or really released a lot of music recently, um, and, I don't know, like, usually, like, the year before it was The weekend, um, and the, I think it was the year before that, it was, like, Shakira, J-Lo, Bad Bunny, J Balvin, so it was, like, all artists that were, like, pretty relevant, so I was surprised that it was Rihanna, but, I mean, I wasn't mad, like, I was excited for it, um, I don't know, like, what expectations I had necessarily. I was, like, excited to hear her music. I think because, like, I didn't... I grew up with Rihanna's music, but not necessarily her performances. Because, Mm. like, we were pretty young. Like, I didn't really know what to expect from, like, a Rihanna performance. Um, But, yeah, I was, like, excited to hear her music. I think for me, my expectations were just, like... I already knew that she was going to do something pretty big because just like it's a Super Bowl, you have to go big. And it was her return in a sense to like 
not music but like after all these like all this time focusing on fenty and like savage x fenty like i think that she wanted to prove that she could do like she could be a businesswoman but also like a singer and an artist Mm-hmm. So I I knew that that was going to be big. What I think I was like the most curious about mm-hmm. was one, what song she was going to pick and then how she was going to arrange them. Like in what order, yeah. like what was the performance kind of like, if there was going to be a theme, if it was going to focus more on her newer music, if it was going to focus more on her older music. Yeah. According to the singer herself, Rihanna's setlist was the 39th version of different ideas of what her setlist could look like, with the final goal to celebrate her catalog. She opened with Better Have My Money, went through hits like We Found Love, Rude Boy, Wild Thoughts, Umbrella, and closed with her seven-time platinum hit Diamonds. So, going on to the, the day of the Super Bowl, I think everyone was just really, really excited um, yeah. for her to go on. Especially because, like, Rihanna hasn't performed in so long. People mm-hmm. were, like, I think, like, like, people were just curious and excited to see, like, what it would be. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, Rihanna's beautiful. Like, her music's great. Like, what more could you want? Also, because she was kind of gone after she had her kid. Yeah. So I think that people were even just surprised that she was even agreeing to do the Super Bowl because she, like, just had her child. The performance starts. We were betting at the Super Bowl party we went to what song she was going to start with. And I correctly guessed it. Yeah, because I thought she was going to start out with her old songs and then go all the way to, like, her newer ones, like, the most popular, like, ones that were, like, I guess, like, wow, that's crazy to think that that's, like, her newer music, but, like, yeah, like, late 2010s. This song she started off with just has, like, such, like, like, a powerful, like, it, it gets people riled up and, like, hyped up. Yeah. Um, like, instantaneously, and so that's why I was, like, oh, she's definitely going to start off with this. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, everyone, like, younger and older, like, has definitely heard that song and, like, yeah, knows it. People out at our Super Bowl party were guessing that it was going to be Diamonds. Like, but so I many knew, of them. <laughs> I knew that there was no way she was going to open with Diamonds. Like, Diamonds, one, is a closer. Yeah. And two, like, she's not going to open up with that. Like, she has to start out really, like, powerful. I agree. And then Diamonds is, like... Not that it's not fast-paced in, like, a sense, but it's, like, it's kind of, like, slow and, like, it's also powerful, but I think it's, like... It doesn't get people hyped up. It's her Celine moment, if you will. Her Celine Dion moment. No, I I got the reference. Oh, okay. (laughs) Interesting. Yes, I guess. So when we started watching the Super Bowl, like, show, people were just focused on, like, the fact that, like, is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Whatever, whatever. Honestly, I did not care if she was pregnant no. or not. I was like... I'm here for the performance. Exactly. I don't care if she's pregnant. I, I was like... Well, I care now because, like, yeah. in the sense of, like... But, like, I'm in glad the moment, she's pregnant. Like, yeah. like, watching it, I'm like, oh, let me like Let me focus on the performance. Yeah. yeah, like, instead of just thinking, like, is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Da, da, da. I read that apparently she wanted to do it pregnant to show her son that, like, being a mom doesn't like take away wait that's so cute i know like being a mom doesn't take away like the fact that you can do like big things and like it's not it doesn't inhibit her from like having big moments in her career it's also just crazy to think like being pregnant and being asked to perform just sounds like so much i i know 
I mean, that's why people were like, oh, she's not dancing that much. And I'm like, yeah, because she has to take care of herself. Because she's pregnant. And also, she's hanging from, like, these, like, huge... Platforms. Yeah. And, like, that are, like, going up and down. And that already is dangerous for her. Yeah, I think that that was so dumb. Like, for people to just be focused on that. I don't know. I feel like... This was, like, the culmination of Rihanna's career. In the sense of, like, she is, like... She can do anything Anything. She is a triple threat. Like, she's a businesswoman. She's a, a singer. She's a mother. Yeah. Like, people are saying this is, like, her goodbye performance. I don't think it's her goodbye. I don't know. Like, do you think it would be her goodbye? I don't know. I mean, like, if she's having another kid, like, she has two kids to raise... So I don't think she's going to, like, be going on tour anytime soon. But I think that it, that's exactly, like, her thing. Low-key, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, her and ASAP, like, start producing music. Oh, yeah. Like, I can see that happening. Yeah. I, th- I So my theory is that she this wouldn't be her goodbye. Not because... I don't think it's her goodbye, like, from music is my thing. I don't think it's her goodbye from music. I think it's her goodbye from her, like, the Rihanna that she was as a singer and as a performer, like, in the early 2000s. Mm. Um, Also because it's, like, you can't really have a finale bigger than the Super Bowl. That is true. But, yeah, I, I think that this isn't her goodbye. I think she's probably going to take it easy for the next couple years. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think that she's going to be gone from music because... I think she even mentioned it, like, that she might be making music again. What are your conclusions from the Super Um, Bowl? Loved it. The dancers were amazing. Oh, amazing. They were amazing. Like, it was a good performance. I truly did enjoy it. Um, I guess I kind of wish you brought out a guest performer, but, like, just Rihanna was also great. Um, But, yes, great performance. Loved it. I think my conclusions are that Rihanna is one and a great performer yeah even while pregnant yeah and but honestly i think my takeaway from this is that i really love her message of like motherhood doesn't take away from who she is as a person just adds to who she is as a person yeah i agree i really like that and i love that she announced her pregnancy like that she pulled a beyonce and that's that's great i loved it whether one liked the performance or not Rihanna's halftime show amassed a total of 118.7 million viewers, making it the second most watched halftime show in history after Katy Perry's back in 2015. For WNUR News, this was Maria Camaño. Like the other Wildcats of high school musical fame, Northwestern is officially a basketball school. And this season, the team might have its second ever chance to make it to the March Madness tournament. If you haven't been able to get a ticket to the games, don't worry. Allison Rauch has more. Something strange is afoot in Evanston, Illinois. Something like winning. For the first time in a long time, and against all odds, Northwestern men's basketball is having a standout season. Chicago's Big Ten team finished last season with 15 wins, 
16 losses, and the departure of Pete Nance and Ryan Young. This year, the Cats currently have 19 wins, 7 losses, and at the time of press are on a four-game winning streak. They're second in the Big Ten. And they've done it with no real new blood. They're just finally coming into their own. People outside of Northwestern are paying attention, too. From the beginning of the season on, it's been so much fun to see the grit and toughness, the tough defensive efforts, overcoming off-shooting nights by Northwestern, and seeing rewards come to guys like Boo Booey and Chase Audige, who've been there for a few years, of course, uh, has been wonderful. And I don't know any alum, at least in my circle, who hasn't really, really enjoyed it. That's Willie Weinbaum. He's a producer and digital journalist for ESPN and a former Wildcat. He does investigative and feature reporting, but he's also been posting about Northwestern's season on the ESPN message boards. I think colleagues, not just the NU alums who are colleagues, and there are many Wildcats among the ESPN staff ranks, I just want you to know, so, you know, we always have, say go cats and boy, how about those cats? But I think other people are taking notice. Northwestern has kind of been a sleeper throughout this men's basketball season in a lot of ways. Um, I, actually, on our conference calls yesterday, just yesterday, we were discussing how everybody was pretty shocked that they have, were not ranked this week because uh, from our perspective, they've been knocking at that door for a significant proportion of the season. That's Dee Lab. She's a content producer and developmental editor for The Gist, a woman-led sports media brand. Her work is with The Gist's college sports newsletter. I hate to say it, but like the team was not good for a very long time. I find it really exciting to see, particularly as a Big Ten alum, to see a Big Ten um, program that has historically not been great really finding their their legs on, on, a, on a truly on a national scale. Lab is right. Northwestern has come a long way from losing streaks in the not-so-distant past. And with a disappointing 1-11 football record still fresh in everyone's minds, it's cathartic to see a Northwestern sports team actually doing well. At the end of last quarter, when I sort of st- when I started reporting for the team, there wasn't sort of as much like anticipation and as much sort of buildup. Um, about the team, like not as many students were really excited about the men's basketball team. Um, we weren't really getting that many like large crowds. And now over the past couple of weeks, that's kind of sort of been sort of the talk around campus. That's Ayushia Agarwal. He's a junior econ major data science minor, and he spent this season covering men's basketball for the Daily Northwestern, both at home and away. I was at Wisconsin and they have like, I think 17,000 um, in terms of their capacity. And their student section was just crazy large. So it was like, Seeing that sort of energy now being replicated at Northwestern, even if it's like a smaller stadium, is just really cool to see, like, kind of firsthand, just comparing the two. Agarwal seems to be on to something. Northwestern is feeling more like an actual contender in the Big Ten. With last Sunday's matchup against Purdue, Northwestern toppled a number one ranked team for the first time in the program's history. Wednesday's win against Indiana marked the first time the Cats have had four wins versus ranked teams, plus sweeps of Indiana and Wisconsin in the same season since 1938. All this record-breaking brings to mind another nugget of trivia. Northwestern has only qualified for the NCAA tournament once in its history. Which raises the question, could this be the year? Agarwal thinks maybe. I think 20 is like the key number. If you have 20 wins by the end of the season, you'll make March Madness. And so basically, 
it's a question of um, can you get like wins on the road? So they got a win on the road in Wisconsin. They got a win on a road in Ohio State. Lab is considering it too. March is going to be wild. And speaking of March, Northwestern is going has a real shot to go deeper than they ever have before. Of course, it's not a sure shot. Northwestern definitely has its strengths and weaknesses. Lab and Weinbaum both pointed out that their defense tends to be more reliable than their offense. I think when it comes to offense, especially for basketball, it comes down, a lot of things come down to confidence across your team. The fact that they're playing from a non-winning legacy. So when you're forging something new, that can be a little bit intimidating, which is why I think perhaps we're seeing a a much more defensive-minded team. I will say that what Northwestern's biggest weakness is having consistent, coordinated, balanced offense. So when one or two guys are clicking on offense, it's usually just the one or two guys. Other guys aren't scoring. But then again, no one thought they'd make it this far either. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rapp. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.23 p.m. Central Time. Here's Mika Ellison with the weather. Welcome back to WNUR's weekly weather segment. I'm Mika. And let's hope the weather next week is less of the extreme sport it was yesterday. This is Fairweather Friends. Who's the weather? The weather for the next week looks to be partly cloudy, with highs in the 40s. Although we do have some rain later in the week, so keep those boots on, and for the love of God, please stop using that shortcut on the Garrett Seminary lawn. One day, someone's going to get stuck. In the greater Midwest area, the rains move to the south, with thunderstorms near Missouri and warmer temperatures closer to the east coast. Illinois isn't the only state experiencing wind and arguably every single kind of precipitation. This week, storms swept across the southern U.S., bringing heavy rains and strong winds, along with several short-lived tornadoes. Look on the bright side. It might be week seven, but at least you don't have to worry about a cyclone. That's it for Fairweather Friends. Thanks for tuning in, and come back next week for more weather. Taking a look at the headlines, four Northwestern staff members were injured when a tree fell near Lunt Hall and the Jacobs Center yesterday afternoon. Evanston's police and fire departments responded to the incident shortly afternoon. Three of those injured remain hospitalized in Evanston Hospital. On Thursday, Evanston Mayor Daniel Bliss announced the launch of a survey to assess Evanston residents' views on the reparations program almost two years after the program was implemented in the city. The survey asked respondents about their political views, understanding and support of the reparations program, thoughts on racism, and personal demographic and housing information. Michigan State University will begin to resume academic and athletic life in the aftermath of a horrific mass shooting this week that killed three students and injured five others. Classes, athletic events, and other activities have been suspended for the past two days. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, 
WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Paz Baum, and our reporters are Margot Amuyel, Maria Camaño, Allison Rock, and Mika Ellison. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Anusha Kumar. Catch our next newscast on Monday, February 20th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.